Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to Hello and welcome to Colloquium. This is Dylan. This is Nick. That's not how we begin this. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Colloquium. I'm here with Nick in our studio once again. Excited to come to you talk about, um, is it fair to say it's one of my favorite topics? Suffering is one of your favorite topics? Yeah, I love, well, that I don't love to suffer. I, I wish that I loved to suffer more because I feel like you see that in the saints a lot. Um, but I, I'm excited to talk about it nevertheless because I, I think our Christian faith brings a, a very unique perspective to suffering. Yeah, I don't really have the the stat book to back this this claim up, but I feel like the um, the perception across um, uh, humanity is that suffering is probably the number one, or at least in the the top two or three reasons why people choose not to believe in God because of the the misunderstanding of suffering. So yeah, um, yeah, this would be an important topic I think as we go along here. Interesting. So should we just jump straight into it today? Yeah, sure. All right, why, <laughs> why not? not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. So suffering. Um, I think we always start with trying to define things. So what is suffering? I don't know that I really found a definition that I love, um, but the one I kind of ran by you, and I don't know if this is a definition, but it's it's maybe a way that I think of suffering. But suffering is the experience of an unfulfilled desire, um, and I don't know if that is all encompassing, but I think it captures at least part of what it is that we experience when we suffer. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I am. Um, when you said that to me at first, I am, um, I didn't really understand. So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe a few of our listeners are like me and don't understand that. I, I find it better to, to say it's an experience of the opposite of what you desire. Um, is that the same thing that you're trying to say, or is that different? Sounds kind of like the same thing. Okay. But, but whichever, for a, whichever way yeah. of saying it, Right. Works more for you. That helped um, me a lot. So um, okay. maybe Experience a few of our listeners. the opposite of what you desire. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, all right. So I think I think a under uh, something that's that's really inherent to how Christians understand. Well, maybe before we go there, I want to talk about we want to talk about redemptive suffering ultimately and what that means for a Christian. But I think maybe we should back up and start with what how does the world generally look at suffering. Yeah. Um, in 21st century, without a Christian perspective, without looking at it through a Christian lens, what is our experience, our reaction as a culture to suffering, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, maybe the whole movement of the world in all reality is to you know, collectively come together to avoid suffering mm-hmm. permanently. Isn't mm-hmm. that kind of what the kind of the way the world moves and what kind of quote unquote progress means and um, the way you know, most individual secular lives work. Yeah, I, I definitely see that, I think. Yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. And I don't think it's a, I think it's a modern thing. I think it's, it's definitely particularly characteristic of modern Western culture. But I think it's an ancient thing, too. Um, I think back to the Greek um, philosophers who were Epicureans. Um, you had, like, the Stoic and the Epicureans were kind of the opposite. And the Epicureans wanted to just experience pleasure, just kind of maximize pleasure in their life. Uh, but then you think of even utilitarianism, which kind of pops up in, I don't know, maybe the 1800s. And 
it's this idea of like maximize pleasure, minimize pain. And I think that mindset really dominates our culture today. Um, and I think we can do it. We can, in a lot of ways, we can kind of make progress in that, right? Uh, medical advances of the last century are phenomenal, have provided alleviance of pain in ways that we haven't been able to do in the past. Um, and so I think that definitely is is a part of where we're trending. But I think the question that, that kind of is at the heart of it for me is, is, are we really being successful? Are we eliminating suffering or are we just eliminating or reducing maybe physical suffering? Right. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, in a lot of ways, I mean, we are, you know, we are reducing physical suffering, like you said, a lot. But um, it seems as though this kind of interior suffering, maybe we can talk about the different types here yeah. as we go along. But um, this type of interior suffering, you know, as an example, be loneliness, you know, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have been experiencing over the course of this past year. Yeah. That would be an example of something that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's very difficult to avoid in terms of the world. So yeah. um, there's other things that, you know, other types of suffering that seem to be very tough to avoid. You know? Right. I think, I think, I mean, to play my hand a little bit, I, I firmly believe that we can't get rid of suffering. It's, it's a complete illusion. I think, I don't think no matter how much progress we make as human beings and medical advancements and political uh, systems, right, that have their goal in alleviating suffering, we can't do it. Right. And I think you can see that in a lot of the ways, you know, look at the response to COVID, right? The medical response has been really incredible at getting behind and figuring out how to tackle and stop the spread of this disease and mitigate suffering. I heard that phrase recently, and I think that that could kind of be a tagline of, of, our age is so let's mitigate suffering. Right. And I'm really, I'm really kind of skeptical of that phrase. Um, not that it's, it's, well, actually I think, yeah, I do think if our goal is to mitigate suffering, I think that we're, we're lost. Right. And, and maybe I think we'll get there and, and why that's the case throughout this podcast. But I think that the Christian understanding of suffering is very countercultural, um, when it comes to that. Um, and I think mitigating suffering is is really a bad goal to have. And I think maybe we'll talk about why as we get into the, the Christian understanding of suffering. Sure, we absolutely will. Yeah, I think in Scripture, Jesus says the poor will always be with you. You know, so I, I mean, he guarantees in Scripture that there will be some amount of, you know, worldly suffering always. Right. Um, you yeah. know, so I'd, I think that's always going to be a given. Um, yeah, so maybe we can jump into kind of the Christian understanding of suffering if you want or wh- wherever wherever it is that you want to take it. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. What is what is Christian suffering look like? Um, and I think with that, I think we necessarily have to talk about how, how did Christ suffer. Um, but how do you, maybe just start with, generally speaking, how does, how does a Christian or how should a Christian view suffering? Yeah, so I think, and just to go along the line, back to the, you know, not working to mitigate suffering, I think there's quite some nuances there in the Christian view. I think we don't want to promote suffering, obviously. You know, we don't want to go around telling everybody that suffering is great and you should implement more of it in your life, that kind yeah. of thing, in, in, in order to be fruitful as a human being. Right. I think rather what the, the nuanced understanding of, Christ, of a Christian would be to rather embrace suffering like Christ did, um, to right. embrace the suffering that comes in, uh, in your life um, yeah. as having power which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah, I think I think that 
we always deal with extremes, right? So if, if the extreme in, in our world right now is to mitigate suffering, alleviate suffering at all costs, maximize pleasure, minimize pain, the proper response is not necessarily to maximize pain and minimize pleasure. Right. Right. And there's there's heresies that go in those opposite extremes. It would not be a proper Christian response to say, okay, suffer, fast all the time, avoid pleasure, right? There have been movements in, in philosophy and in the church that or that have done that and have been problematic, um, mm-hmm. heretical at times. And so I think that's a really good distinction to start with, is it's not necessarily the opposite. It's not maximize pain, minimize pleasure, but rather, as you said, Nick, embracing it. Right. And I think I think where we see that is we see that in Christ. Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think for me, examples that come, I mean, I think his whole life um, really teaches this, but think of his passion, right? His crucifixion, first and foremost. And um, it's death. But what is the death followed by? It's followed by resurrection, right? So he embraces death. He embraces suffering in his passion. But he's resurrected. He rises from the dead um, and brings about immense joy that follows after embracing suffering. So it's not just embracing suffering, embracing pain. It's embracing it with the hope of the resurrection. Um, So it's not just suffering for the sake of suffering, but it's that through Christ's death and resurrection, our suffering has value. Right. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love what you said about hope there too. It seems like uh, suffering has to be tied to hope in the Christian life. Yeah, without without the hope of making it to the end of our of our way, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, yeah. you know, there's 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 no point in suffering. There's no point in pushing through without that hope. So, yeah, right. I'm glad you I said mean, that. hope, which we talked about two episodes ago, and the gospel, which was our last episode. Right. I think as I was preparing for this, I was thinking about how I think this is really a good follow up because I think that. Suffering and hope are at the heart of the gospel. Right. So maybe let's start with how does so how is suffering at the heart of the gospel? How would you how would you say that? Right. Great. Great question. Um. Yeah. So again, it's at the heart of the gospel because Christ is the one who, who embraced suffering, um, in the Christian way first, obviously. Um. So maybe I'll read here from the Catechism then. Um. Yeah. This is um, a quote from. Yeah, like the Catechism, like I said, this is uh, Catechism 1521, that's the paragraph. This is actually from um, the anointing of the sick passage, so um, there will be a reference to the sick person. We'll just translate that to mean the suffering person mm-hmm. um, when we read it. So let, let's read that, and then we can kind of break down um, Christ's role in, um, in suffering in the church. Okay, great. By the grace of this sacrament, by that we mean the anointing of the sick, the sick person receives the strength and the gift of uniting himself more closely to Christ's passion. In a certain way, he is consecrated to bear fruit by configuration to the Savior's redemptive passion. Suffering, a consequence of original sin, acquires a new meaning. It becomes a participation in the saving work of Jesus. Okay, so um, maybe I'll have to read that again. It was a lot, but... um. So the saving work of Jesus, um, our, our suffering is a participation in the saving work of Jesus. Right. Maybe we should jump back to kind of what that saving work was. Yeah, yeah, I think we should definitely go there. I also want to highlight the aspect of that where it said suffering as a consequence of original sin, right? right? So we weren't made to suffer. Um, we were made for union with God in perfect happiness where, where there is no pain, there is no suffering, right? So suffering first is a result of the fall. 
So there is something good, I think, in our instinct to avoid it. Right. Because it's not what we're made for. But, again, you know, go back to the gospel, right? We inherit this fallen nature, but the heart of the gospel is Christ's redemption. Right. And the power of the gospel is that Christ entered into the depths of our suffering. Experienced suffering in all the ways, and I think even more profound ways than we could ever experience suffering. And gave it meaning through his death and through his resurrection. And so now in this this Christian perspective, we can now, our suffering now has meaning. Right. Yeah, I am... have thought, you know, and contemplated about this late in, in my recent life, you know, about how that's literally, if, if, you'll, if you'll think about just kind of, you know, uh, what it is that you fear as a human being, just anything that you fear, um, I would be willing to bet that the root of that fear is suffering of some kind. You, yeah. you fear some sort of suffering, with the ultimate suffering being death, obviously, that's the, the ultimate yeah. suffering. Yeah. Um, and just the amazing thing that Jesus came and he did was that he, he actually turned that thing that we fear most into something that has power um, instead. So instead of this, you know, kind of shrinking away and avoiding what we fear most, you know, suffering, um, he turns it around and gives that thing that we fear most power. Um, right. And so now we, can, now we can embrace that as Christians with joy. Um, right. And I think that's absolutely right. You know, I think that we experience this... We experience this suffering, this, how'd you say it again? The, um, I can't remember. Just say it how you were going to say it. Like, <laughs> the, the, the opposite or it's oh, the fear. Right. Yeah, the opposite of what you desire. The opposite of what you desire or, as you just said, like it's what we fear. It's at the root of what we fear. Right. So that's a part of our brokenness. And we, it's like there's this gap. We're in this suffering. We long for help, right? It, we cry out to God in pain in this suffering. And then God himself becomes man. Hmm. Um, so, and then suffers as a man. You know, I think of the agony in the garden. Um, when I was a um, freshman in college, I remember experiencing a time of, of loneliness and just desiring to be, to be with people. It was one night I didn't have anything going on. I just kind of was getting used to living on my own a little bit. And I remember praying for whatever reason, I picked up my rosary and I prayed the agony in the garden, the first sorrowful mystery. And it was a powerful moment where I realized this, this pain, this suffering I'm experiencing, God felt that. And he felt that out of love for me. And you can take that even further in looking at the passion, right? He embraced suffering to the point of death, as Paul tells us, um, even death on a cross in Philippians chapter two. And Death on the cross being the most horrific death you could die in Roman times, right? Humiliation, crucified naked. We've talked about that before. And on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So you think of like the worst suffering we can experience, loneliness, physical pain, immense physical pain, and then the absence, the feeling of the absence of God. And even God himself felt that on the cross right that to me provides a whole lot of meaning and then he redeemed that through his his death and resurrection as well yeah beautiful yeah i um i, I think too about um as the body of christ when we 
receive the Eucharist. You know, we very much are Christ. You know, we're part of his mystical body. No, we're not the head of the body. We're not, you know, Christ himself, but we, we are Christ in a you know, mystical sense. So when we right. suffer, we suffer as Christ. What Christ right. experienced on the cross, when we suffer, that's what we're suffering. You know, what yeah. the, the experiences of suffering that he felt, um, and that he still feels, you know, that he, that right. he felt when he was on earth. So, um, anyway, that, yeah. that makes me, that makes me think a lot about just kind of the, the mystical way in which we're all connected to Christ. You right. Know? Right. And I think that where we'd be missing something if we didn't talk about an important aspect of this is it's not just this abstract God suffered. So now our suffering has meaning, right? But that through, and I think this was in the catechism quote you read, but through Christ's death and resurrection, through our, through communion with God in the sacraments, right? We participate in the saving work of Jesus. Yeah, right. It becomes a, uh, let's see, suffering, a consequence of original sin, acquires a new meaning. It becomes a participation in the saving work of Jesus. Yeah, we're participating in Christ's okay. suffering, his saving yeah. work. So let's maybe hone in on that a little bit. Because I, I would hate if we, we overlooked what exactly that means and how that provides meaning to our suffering. So what is, how, do, how does our suffering participate in the saving work of Christ? Yeah, so this is probably going to be a little bit over my head a little bit, but I, you know, but I, I think um, ultimately it's a mystery. Um, I, I think, I think yes. ultimately, and yes. that's, that's what the church teaches across time is that, you know, there is this kind of, um, yeah, there, there's this mystery in the church that just kind of hasn't gone away where we, we can't hope for full understanding until we reach heaven, God willing, you know? Yeah. So I think this is, <laughs> this is one of those times, right. at least in my mind, but um. Yeah, so again, um, I just want to reiterate, we, we are a Christ. So when we suffer, we suffer as Christ on right. the cross. Right. And I think we see this in Paul's theology. We see his, his mystical body of Christ. Um, this participation um, that we have in Christ, um, what happens to one member of the body happens to the body, right? Um, so there's this, there's this deep communion in that participation, but I also think of, I think to bring it more tangibly, um, to make it more tangible, I think of, you know, there's the, the cliche Catholic saying of offer it up, right? So I think some people might like that phrase, some people might get annoyed by it, but I think in that phrase is, I think, a deep truth about, about how our suffering um, has meaning, right? And that's that we can offer up suffering and participate in the saving work of Christ, um, and our suffering can be a prayer, and not through its own power, not through our power, but because of Christ's death and resurrection, because of our participation in the body of Christ, that can have redemptive work and can work towards the salvation of someone else. So, for example, I mean, this is, this is from the writing of, of Paul himself in 2 Corinthians. So, um, I'll go to this passage just so I think we have a reference point in understanding where this, this idea is coming from, sure. that our suffering has this participatory work. Um, so St. Paul is talking about um, this experience um, he has of suffering. So after talking about really his own actually mystical experiences, he says that um, to keep me from being too elated, this is 2 Corinthians twelve seven, to keep me from being too elated, by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I begged the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, Somewhere else as well, he says, I make up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Um, So it's this this experience of his suffering, um, he realizes has meaning for Paul. Um, He realizes that his suffering, he's begged the Lord of it, and his suffering is in accordance with the will of God. Um, And when he says elsewhere as well that he makes up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, it's not that there's something lacking in the suffering of Christ, but rather that it's through this mystery, as you said, um, we can participate in the saving work of Christ, and we can do that through our suffering. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah, I, um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's again, that's always been a hard one to for me too. You know, I, I think other people have thought that was hard as well. The uh, we make up for what is lacking in the suffering of Christ, and again, just it, re- it really helps me uh, just to reiterate um, that we are Christ. When we suffer, we suffer as Christ. Um, so it's not as if Christ's suffering was lacking. You know, we we are Christ. Right. And that's in Colossians, by the way. I had to look okay. that up real quick. I didn't want to say gotcha. the wrong thing. But in Colossians 1, um, he says, um, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Right. Um, so he offers his suffering up as as a prayer. Ultimately, he, he recognizes that there's this redemptive power in his suffering. Right. Yeah, it's cool. It's great too. Um, just we may talk about this later on. Later on, but thinking about you know each other as being a member of of the same body of Christ. You know, we when we suffer, really the other one suffers. You know, and when you know because as the body of Christ, we're all we're all together in this, as they say. You know, when um, when one of us suffers, the other does as well. So. Um, yeah, it's just a um, a great principle that we don't suffer in isolation as Christians. That would maybe maybe a different thing that Christians view suffering by uh, than the world is that we we suffer in community when we suffer well as Christians. So right, yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, I think we also need to make this I think a little more tangible. So I think we've we've talked about theologically and hopefully we've done this justice. Um, I think this topic I approach in in humility because, like you said, it is a mystery, um, and. I'm not always that good at suffering. Right. You know, I see in the saints all the time, like I see Therese of Lisieux in particular had this desire to suffer. Um, I'm not always there, yeah. you know? And I want to look at though, how can we, how can we experience this suffering? Well, how can we enter into this suffering in, in a way that's going to be a participation in the suffering of Christ and not just a, you know, sometimes I feel like suffering can feel in vain. There's no purpose to this. Why am I? Why am I hurting this way? Who am I really helping through this? So how can we tangibly make this this part of our experience, this redemptive suffering? Yeah, such a great question. We and we do we do in Catholic circles, don't we? We always hear the uh, offer it up kind of thing, right. and you know, redemptive suffering, quote unquote. It's a very common thing to hear. I'm um, at least in, in my mind and. Um, it's just very intangible at times and, um, I don't know, um, over your head. So, um, 
one of the things I've got listed here that has been really helpful for me is be real with God. Just be real with God when you suffer. Uh, I've been listening to NF a lot. I know. I mean, we're, we're, are you a fan of NF too? You listen I've liked to him what much? I've heard. I don't actively okay. listen to him, but I like like what I've heard. Gotcha. He has a, just an amazing album called, uh, well, all his stuff is great, I think, but amazing album called The Search. Um, mm-hmm. And he just absolutely pours his soul out in this album. I mean, it is incredible. And uh, yeah, he says some just really profound and honest things that... Um, and he's a, he's a Christian rapper, you know, so they're you know, pretty apparently directed to God and really, really raw that, you know, where that come from his heart. Like, you know, uh, I make, I can maybe bring it up later on, but, um, yeah, just NF is a great example of someone that, that I mean when I say be, be real with God, be honest about, about your suffering and, you know, how you're feeling about your suffering. Um, God already knows, you know, so that's, I feel right. like the first step of suffering well is to just be straight up honest with how you're feeling and how that suffering right. is going. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And something that that I wrote down as well that I think is connected to that is I've heard of prayer described. I think Christopher West talks about prayer in this way, but as an exercise of desire. You know, when we talk about suffering, at least in part being this experience of of unfulfilled desire, right? In in prayer, we have to open that up to God, right? We have to let him into our suffering. So not just kind of suffer and, and mope around about it, but just open up our hearts um, and allow God into that. Because I think we see in Christ that he wants to enter into our suffering. And But like you said, we have to be real with God to do that. Right. So that means entering into prayer, not saying your prayers, going deep into prayer, allowing God to see your heart. Right, I think that's something that stops us from deeper prayer sometimes. Is eh, I don't really want to look at this. You know, there's this thing in my heart, this way I'm suffering. Maybe it's an attachment to something. It might be a person. It might be um, a sin, um, an addiction in my life. Right, and I just kind of don't want to go there. Yeah, because um, it hurts to look at. Right, um, but I think that. You know, anybody who's who's gone through any grieving or healing process knows that, like, you have to allow yourself to feel that in order to experience healing. Okay. So I think being real with God and being real with yourself in the suffering is, is a great place to start, like you said. Okay, yeah. Can we explore what you mean by um, letting God in to your suffering? Because I, I hear that um, quite a bit, and yeah. that can be a very um, kind of high spiritual talk thing. Okay. I feel like for— um, yeah. Um, I know it has been for me, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it will be for maybe our listeners too. What, is it, what does it mean to let God enter into your suffering? Yeah, I mean a lot by that, and I think to use, use your terminology as well, it's a mystery. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't know if this helps, but this is an image I have. God is the divine physician, right? I think of God sometimes as a surgeon. And sometimes I'll actually imagine this in prayer, like when I'm really suffering um, and the suffering is like this unfulfilled desire or something I want and just like I I can't come to grips with. I imagine myself like opening up my rib cage and just allowing God to do surgery on my heart. Um, So I don't know if that's tangible for anybody, but I just that's the image that that comes to mind of, of like how I experience this is. God wants to heal us, and sometimes that may be in, in a, a um, clear way, and sometimes that actually just might come through spending time with him, 
opening that up, um, communicating that, like, God, this is what hurts. Right. And then just allowing yourself to sit with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I think ultimately being real with God is the first step in letting God enter in. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think maybe be, being real with God is very connected with what's being said there. And I also think, yeah, um, yeah, just invite. So I have a, fr- a friend. Um, I haven't talked to him in a while because he joined the uh, the CFRs, the uh, Capuchin Franciscans. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, Friars of the Renewal. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. they're they're all right. They're yeah, <laughs> they're <laughs> decent. Pretty pretty great reputation no, for holiness. Incredible. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. So um, yeah, they have a pretty uh, high reputation for for holiness. But um, anyway, my friend one time he he gave me just this really really amazing advice um, through another friend. Um, and he says, uh, whenever he feels like an emotion he doesn't really like, or, you know, um, paraphrasing suffering, right. Um, or he has a memory he doesn't really, you know, want to enter into or think about, he'll actually do the opposite. He'll actually let him sit there and just let himself feel it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. every one of us has like a, uh, I think everyone has like a moment where that was just really embarrassing. Like you said something stupid in a yeah. crowd, or mm-hmm. you know you did something um, that you regret doing, and you have that memory sitting there. And whenever it comes up, there's the, um, oh nope, I'm not gonna think about that. Yeah, you know, um, and just al- allowing yourself to, to, yeah, just think about it and sit with it, and then imagine God there with you. Um, I think right. is a is a like a meditative way to let the Lord enter into your into your suffering experience. Yeah, and again, that's our our tendency is to avoid it, right? right. Um, but I think what the cross tells us is we have to embrace it. Yeah. Um, but the good news is that, and I think I don't want to get stuck on just embracing suffering because, like we said at the beginning, it's not more pain, less pleasure. Um, but it's actually you know that we experience the redemption of our bodies, the redemption of our souls in this suffering. Right. Um, so I want to, I do want to take that conversation, the conversation in that direction a little bit as well. Um, but another thing I want to say on, on suffering well in, in the Christian life is, um, to be thankful, to have Thanksgiving. I about, gosh, it must've been oh, two years ago now. Um, my spiritual director, um, had me start saying, I, I might've shared this. I know I've shared this with you before. I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast, but saying thank you, Jesus, 10 times in prayer. And I try to do this every time I go to pray. Um, and it's it's nine times. Um, it's for the 10 lepers in Scripture who came to Jesus. Nine of them didn't come back to thank Jesus. Not So it's nine times in reparation for those nine, and then one time for yourself. Hmm. Say thank you, Jesus, 10 times. But I found what that transformed my prayer life, and it transformed my suffering. Hmm. Because in the midst of that suffering, there's always 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 god's always present there and there's always good and there's always um things to be thankful for but our suffering i think blinds us to that and so that little exercise of saying thank you jesus even and especially in the midst of deep suffering um i found that's actually redeemed my suffering it's provided me an outlook of of gratitude um, when what suffering does is it, is it blinds us to the, the good that is in our life. And it's opened my eyes to that. So I think it's one way I've experienced uh, the redemption of, of my own suffering. Yep. Do you think, uh, I'm putting you on the spot here because we didn't really talk about this, but do you think you have any examples of like ways you've experienced kind of this, this redemptive suffering in your life? 
Um, yeah, I think uh, probably, you know, I, I definitely could be better at gratitude. So I don't mm. know if I have a direct example mm. of me starting to practice being grateful and then my suffering yeah. being better. I don't really think yeah. I have that. Well, but it doesn't have to be gratitude. I guess yeah. maybe another way of putting it, just how, how have you experienced the reality that suffering has meaning? Yeah, I think I'll say um, um, particularly I've experienced this in, in prayer and then community, but maybe I'll focus on community also. Okay. Um, I You know, I've been a part of, you know, just by the grace of God, just some amazing communities in my life mm-hmm. of, of young people and who are running after the Lord together, you know, and um, I think of particularly, I've said this before, but I think it particularly, um, you know, the the summer program that I spent, you know, in Colorado mm-hmm. with Focus, uh, with, you know, 70 college students. Yeah. Summer projects. Summer projects, yeah, that's right. Um, and I'm sure, listen, I'm sure there was, you know, some amount of suffering during that summer, at least mm-hmm. in, in some some aspect um, I don't really remember much of it at all. Um, hmm. And I, I think it's it's not necessarily there just wasn't much suffering. I think really what it was was because I was in community and because I was directed towards Christ and, you know, serving the other people in my community, I wasn't thinking about myself. So, therefore, suffering was just lighter, right. not a thing. Yeah. I just wasn't thinking about how much I'm suffering. Right. That wasn't my focus. I didn't really care that much about myself. So yeah. Um, wow. So I I think uh yeah when you when you you make your center something other ultimately you want to make it Christ but when you make your center something other than yourself of right. course your suffering is going to be less. Right. I think you're on to something big there because I think that that's the that's the problem with our mitigate suffering approach right because not that it's not good to alleviate suffering it is good. Um, it's good to for people to experience healing and the medical advances we have. Um, but if we take that too far of I need to get rid of suffering, we're going to suffer more. Right. Right. You That was an uh, experience of great joy for you because you were so outward focused. Not because there weren't crosses to bear, um, but because it turned you outward. Right. And I think that's the mystery of the saints when they come to love and embrace suffering is sure, maybe they're hurting, maybe they're suffering in a lot of ways, but they know that it has meaning. They know that they can offer that up in participation with Christ's um, saving work. And they know that it's not about them, right? And that their life isn't, you know, the quality of their life isn't dependent on the ratio of pleasure to pain. Right. Like the utilitarian mindset might say. Yeah. I think a lot of um, St. Ignatius's uh, principle of indifference, you know, just being in, being indifferent to whatever circumstance mm. occurs. Holy indifference. Holy indifference, called, yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, I think indifference has a, a different sort of stigma nowadays, but mm-hmm. what he means is just being okay with whatever circumstances God brings in, in, right. into your life, yeah. And I think that's the way the saints kind of kind of live, you know, is the, the idea of I suffering or not suffering right. that doesn't really matter that much to me. I'm not really worried about that. I'm thinking about God and I'm thinking about, you know, the people that I'm serving and that's right. that. Yeah. I actually have to, I have to share a story about St. Francis it. here in suffering too, because, and I, I can't remember if you were here. It was, um, it was a talk. There was a Franciscan from UWTN. I did not go. Good I remember it, but I didn't okay. go. Yep. And I asked him, I'm blanking on his name. One of the, the fathers there. But I asked him what his favorite St. Francis story is because I'm a big fan of St. Francis. And he told me one that I, I had not heard before. Um, but this was the story. Essentially, Francis is um, walking along with one of his brothers. And Francis is going on about pure joy. 
experiencing pure joy. And, and the brothers asking him, like, what is pure joy? How do we experience pure joy? And I think there's a dialogue that goes back and forth. I'm giving the Spark Notes version of the story. But it ends up saying, Francis tells him what exactly pure joy would be. And he says, pure joy would we be we go knock on the door of, of somebody and we're sharing the gospel or maybe we're, we're looking for a place to stay. And the person opens the door and they just like insult us, spit on us, just treat us horribly, right? And just, just offer all sorts of rebukes and, and insults towards us. And we suffered that for the sake of Christ. Huh. That, my friend, would be pure joy. So I think I think there's this mystery in in suffering that can, it actually can be joyful, um, and I think of um, something that that I've read recently in Intro to Devout Life from Saint Francis de Sales. He talks about suffering rebukes, right? And the, our temptation when we're insulted, when we're rebuked, is to look inward and be like, "Well, maybe they were wrong. What? I'm not. There's nothing wrong with me, right?" But the the proper like the the ideal response of a saint is to just accept that with joy, right? Christ said that you'll be persecuted for following him. And so you should consider it joy that you're suffering for the sake of the gospel. Right. That's something to rejoice in. Like, I get excited thinking about that. I'm not always there, right? But um, to suffer for the sake of the gospel should be pure joy. Yeah, that's absolutely powerful. Yeah, and um, it reminds me of, I, I can't believe I didn't think about this as we were preparing, but it reminds me of a, uh, kind of the experience in, um, that the disciples had in Acts where uh, they're being persecuted by mm-hmm. uh, the Pharisees or whoever, whoever it was anyway. And there, there's, a, there's a verse, I, I can't find it now, but there's a verse where um, it literally says they rejoiced because they, they went away rejoicing because they got to suffer for the sake of the yeah. name of Christ. Yeah, so it is funny how, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate how Jesus takes the one thing that we fear most and turns it into a, a reason for joy. Um, which yeah. think about just like the, the head scratcher that is for Satan, for the enemy, you right. know, just how, um, like there's absolutely nothing he can do now. Um, the, the means that he uses to draw us, you know, down to hell is actually in reality, a, a cause for joy now. Yeah. Um, that's the scandal of the cross, right? Um, that, you know, death, right? Death, the thing we fear the most that's at the root of so many of our fears is is conquered right mm-hmm. and god used death you know the, the saying goes he trampled death by death mm-hmm. right he used the very thing we fear to redeem us right um how incredible is that yeah that, that that's that's the message of the gospel and i think that's important to understand in in a world that wants to maximize play, pain maximize pleasure and alleviate pain. Right. that's what the world wants to do right and i think that's what makes the gospel countercultural. Um, but through the redemptive work, we can experience the redemption of our souls and of our bodies in, in those ways. Right. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. It, it just, it hurts me because there's, there's so many people, you know, kind of, and I, I do this too. I can't, I can't, you know, bracket them in a different category, but there's so many people that are walking around and, you know, just, um, with just totally the wrong, you know, mindset of, I need to go around and just get rid of this suffering in my life as much as I can. And that's it. That's, that's the goal of their life. And because suffering is rendered meaningless, they have to get rid of it as much as possible. And 
that's just all there is to it. And because that's impossible to attain, their life's right. goal is impossible. It's yeah. guaranteed to fail. Right. And I think that's what's making people unhappy. I'm, right. a, I'm a creature, right? I am subject to my finiteness, if that's a word. Right. I'm subject to the fact that I will die. I'm subject, subject to the fact that I will suffer. No matter how hard I try not to, right. no matter how great of medical advances we get, right, I'm still going to suffer. And sometimes the more I try not to suffer, the more I'm going to suffer. Right. Hmm. Great. I don't think I have anything else to add. Do you? Um, I think I think I yeah, I think I want to add like kind of on a like a personal appeal just to people to um, just consider this. Consider the reality that it's true. Consider the reality that our suffering is redeemed. Consider the reality that suffering might have meaning in it. Um, I think that's the beauty of Christianity is that our suffering has meaning. And I think there, there are other philosophies in the world that say that suffering is meaningless and we should avoid it. Um, and I think in, in my experience, I've, I've experienced suffering. I've experienced a lot of physical suffering, a lot of emotional suffering. Um, there's people who have suffered more than me by far, no doubt about it, you know? Um, but I think suffering is something that's, that's inherent to the human experience. You, you can't go through life without suffering. And I think that in my experience, you know, I think of, I've seen healing every time, even in the most hopeless suffering in my life, it's been redeemed, um, or is being redeemed. You know, I think of physical suffering I've had. I had headaches for four years of my life, every single day, every single day. And that was something that while it was going on, it it felt very hopeless at times. Right. But I also found ways in which the Lord was using that, the ways in which the Lord was purifying me through that. I, I, I entered into prayer and found redemption, and eventually actually found physical healing. Right. Um, and that was actually through medical um, medical means, right? There were um, things that I hadn't tried yet medically. There was actually just also a, a lifestyle change because stress was causing a lot of these headaches. And actually learning to rest and learning to— I really heard the Lord in prayer inviting me to rest. I experienced that healing. But— I'm grateful for those four years of, of suffering in that way. Why? Because I've experienced um, gratitude in a really powerful way. It made me grateful for the things that were in my life. It made me grateful. Um, it makes me grateful now that I don't experience that every day. Um, so consider the fruits of the suffering in your life, I think, would be my invitation to close. Great. Yeah, maybe my, my closing point now that you've given me time to, to think about what yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, just to think about um, to, and to accept, let, let's just all agree to accept right now that there is no way, zero way, it's 100% guaranteed that you're going to suffer this life. There's no way you're going to make it through without suffering. Yeah. Fair. Um, and then to make the next step, the next, the Christian step and say, that's actually a cause for joy. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Um, just thinking about the, the do not be afraid, you know, biblical tagline, uh, in light of suffering, um, you know, why Mm -hmm. that's reiterated so much, Mm -hmm. you know, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Um, you're going to suffer 
um, but be joyful because it doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know, not the, that your suffering doesn't matter anymore. No, right. But right, but it doesn't. So um, your ultimate goal um, is going to be satisfied. Your ultimate end, your ultimate desire, heaven. Um, yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I think that's 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 enough said there. I just, gosh, I. I want people to, to, to realize this. And I think you really have to realize it for yourself. Um, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable in prayer, to, to look at those, those areas where you suffer. Um, and so there's a lot more I think we could say on it, but, um, yeah, in all, all humility, like I only, I only know the power of it cause I've experienced it and I've wrestled with it. And I've had those moments where I've felt abandoned by God, where I felt like there's no hope in my suffering. Right. Um, but I want to tell you, you know, in those moments, don't give up on God, give him a chance, allow him to redeem your suffering, allow yourself to be open to the ways that he wants to redeem it. All right. Well, go suffer everybody. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Suffer well. You, You will inevitably suffer and we want to invite you to suffer well. So with that said, praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen.